Welcome back to the Writer's Nook podcast. I'm Hannah Bauman, editor and writing coach. And I'm Leah Davis, a fantasy and romance writer. On today's episode, we're going to discuss how to implement world building and exposition and narration into your writing without bogging down the story. First, we should talk about the basics of world building. This will vary based on your genre, as creating a whole new world for a fantasy novel takes more world building than setting a paranormal romance in New York City in 2020. Right. When you're first thinking about your story's world, you want to think about things like climate, architecture, government, and economic systems, and technology. That's not to say you have to develop a giant compendium of details on all of those categories but it's good to know how your world generally exists. Yes, go into as much detail as feels good for you as you develop your story's world. It's really important to create a world that feels real and tangible for readers. We'll talk more on that later. I think at this point you probably know the basics of world building. But if you don't, you can check out the article on my blog. Just go to btleditorial.com and search world building in the search bar. Now, with all that being said, You have to be careful of the dreaded info dump when you are world building. We often feel the need to deliver all of our carefully thought out information in a huge chunk because we want the reader to know these things. We're excited about our world building and when we create info dumps, readers tend to skip over them and they lose everything you worked so hard to create. This happens in some of my D&D games too. The information about the world is gathered into a kind of travel guide and the players are expected to read it. It's not the kind of writing that really holds anyone's attention. Readers gain a deeper understanding of your world when the details are carefully woven into your story. It becomes less a matter of introducing someone to a new world and more of introducing them to a state of being. The world you have created is important to your story. Let's just reaffirm that. It defines who has power and how that affects your characters. Your world has rules and laws that your characters either follow or break, thus impacting the plot in some way. It's all connected, and if you dump all of that important information on readers in huge chunks that they ignore, they're not really going to understand your story and how it's working. We aren't here to say that all of your world building was unnecessary. In fact, it is very necessary. If you don't have a proper vision of your world, your readers will fail to grasp it. You can go ahead and write down your own travel guide, or you can write those big paragraphs of info dumps, but understand that you'll have to cut them. The last thing you want to do is slow down your reader. Even tiny details matter in world building, which we will talk about in a little bit. Once you understand a good portion of your world, you want to narrow it down to what your characters will interact with. This is to say that you don't have to include facts about a battle that destroyed a stretch of railroad unless your characters will run into a problem that involves that stretch of railroad. Get it? That might leave you wondering how the heck you can tell readers about the amazing, complex, super fascinating world that you've built without giving them big paragraphs like in the beginning of Star Wars movies. I'm sure everyone knows what I'm talking about. Well, like many things in writing, it's something that you have to practice and revise in every project. It is a balancing act and it might even vary from one story to the next. That's not to say that you can't learn some skills, though. Exactly. One of the first things you can start with is weaving in small details rather than overly prescriptive settings. What do we mean by that? Let's say you're writing a Roaring Twenties fantasy and your characters are going into a speakeasy. You know, one of the illegal bars and clubs they set up during the Prohibition era. 
Instead of trying to describe exactly how big the room is, exactly how the tables and chairs are laid out, which decorations are which colors, down to the stitching, you can give a more general ambiance and let the reader's imagination fill the rest. Right, and this is something that I do see a lot as an editor, and I get it because I do it as a writer. But instead of doing those things, which are not very helpful, you could talk about the smoke in the air, the maroon velvet sofas to give that kind of idea of, you know, luxury, um, glittering lights, the live band playing music. Those details might seem really small to you, but they give you a better feeling of the setting than knowing exactly how many tables and chairs there are. Definitely. And like Hannah already said, this is something you have to practice and revise in every story you write. Sometimes knowing how many chairs there are is an important detail, but if it's not, try focusing the reader's attention elsewhere. This helps you prevent the dreaded info dumps that bore your reader and make them skip over the big chunks of text. I'm always tempted to open a scene with description of the room or a landscape. I tend to like writing sunsets, which is very um, <laughs> passe these days. While it helps me to write that description so I know what it looks like and how to describe it, I usually end up cutting it. Your characters will interact with the room and the details you open the scene with can be spread out. Exactly. And like Leah said, it can be really helpful to write down those big chunks when you're drafting. I definitely do that sometimes. But just keep in mind that you're probably going to end up trimming them down or rearranging them, breaking them apart to spread them out over, you know, greater swaths of text so you're not boring anybody. And speaking of details, you can engage different senses to create a fuller, richer world. So just to recap on a preschool lesson quickly... The five senses are sight, smell, sound, taste, and touch. And admittedly, sometimes I still have to think about that after all these years. But, you know, when do I really use that? There's been days where I've completely forgotten like a fifth sense. I know. I did. I actually did that while drafting our outline for this podcast episode. So. <laughs> did you Google it? Robert? Uh, no, I counted it off on my fingers. <laughs> Listen, my brain only holds so much information. Right. Anyway, I'm going to use senses and something from my current project as an example. So one thing that I want to show readers as a writer of a fantasy novel is a beautiful lush environment and gardens that are in my world. There are wisteria trees. Uh, they're my favorite, those purple flowering trees, and they come up again and again in this world. Uh, I don't really know why. It was just something that felt right to me. So I could just say something about purple wisteria once and leave it. And, you know, she saw the wisteria trees. Well, that's really boring and not really well-rounded. It doesn't create an immersive world. So instead, I can mention the color of the trees, the smell of the flowers, the rustling of the, you know, flowers and branches and the sea breeze because they're next to an ocean, that kind of thing. They're very small details, but when you spread them out, there's something that you would notice maybe walking in that imaginary city. So engaging a reader's senses is an easy way to change telling to showing. So telling would be Hannah saw the purple wisteria trees. Uh, that's, you know, it's fine, but it's boring. Showing might be something more like as Hannah strolled down the promenade, a gust of wind kicked up, rustling the purple wisteria trees around her or, you know, something like that. And just make sure you aren't piling all of these sensory details on top of one another. Don't say something like, Hannah saw the purple wisteria trees, and also she smelled their flowers, and also the trees rustled in the breeze. 
Obviously, that's not a real sentence, but it illustrates the point. (laughs) (laughs) Mix tiny sensory and setting details in throughout your novel, spreading them apart to continue building the world for these readers. It doesn't have to be done all at once. Overstimulation can happen in writing. The mind doesn't know where to focus when there are too many details given all at once, and so the reader kind of gets nothing out of it. Try grounding the sensation and detail with a bit of emotion. What kind of feeling do these wisteria trees evoke for Hannah? If you get some feeling out of this, then there's, like I said, a grounding that happens. Exactly, and I think if you think back to, you know, your own day-to-day experiences, those things that you do notice, that you might notice if you were a character in a story, they often come with some kind of emotional response. That's why we do remember them. So that's a very easy way to figure out kind of how to balance the two. And speaking of spreading out world building details, remember that many of your, you know, bigger, more complex, like structural things like government, religion, culture can come to light through your plot. Um, Let's go all the way back to our Star Wars example. So, you know, at the beginning of a Star Wars movie, you get a big info dump with the scrolling text And even though it doesn't include every detail of the story, it's like, I always hated that as a kid, even though it looked cool, because I was like, I don't want to read all that. Just like, come on, let's go. You know, they don't say the Empire is made up of X planets governed by these agencies and all of these people are the top officials. You don't have to do that in your novel, not in the final draft anyway. As the story goes on in any given Star Wars movie, we begin to learn more details about the world as they need to be revealed. The Senate, the elected Queen of Naboo, and even the swamp where Yoda lives. These details, delivered little by little, expand your understanding of the universe when needed. Now, we know a movie is different from a book. Things on screen are literally showed, but when we take a step back, we can note the similarities. The screen doesn't pan over Yoda's swamp world. The ship gets stuck in the muck, and Luke has to get it out somehow, showing just how gross and sucky this world is. (laughs) And see how the world interacts with the characters? Do as much world building as possible so you understand where your story takes place. But try to make sure it only graces the pages when characters come into contact with it. That is the perfect way to summarize our episode today, I think. So... On that note, do we have any listener questions? Longtime listener Mike Lasagna asks, how we balance work with writing? Oh gosh, balancing work with writing. Um, It's funny because we are recording this um, right in the middle of NaNoWriMo, which I am doing this year because I decided that I wanted to. Um, So I have really been figuring out how to balance... um, a large word count for my fantasy novel with the editing work that I do for, you know, my super awesome clients. Um, And as much as I love them, you know, my world keeps pulling back at me. So what I have done, and this may not work for you, but what I have done is um, I set aside a block of two hours every day for writing. For me this time around, that has actually come after dinner time. Uh, some nights that's a little dicey because I'm very sleepy because I ate a lot at dinner, (laughs) um, (laughs) you know, (laughs) but, um, yeah, that's what I think. I think that's really the only way you can do it. You have to remember that your story is important and having creative free time is very important for your own 
like the health of your soul if you want to get dramatic about it. So you, ju- you just have to prioritize it, I think. I know our situation is a little bit different from the normal because Hannah and I both work from home, which gives us a little bit more freedom than the general person. Definitely. But we do both each set aside prescripted time for writing. We make sure that our work is done and that we can find these small blocks wherever we can. Definitely. I saw on Instagram today that a writer was dictating their story to a recording device while they drove to work. And I know some of you have very long commutes. And if you're alone in a car, why not talk to yourself, right? Yeah, that's something um, one of my my local writing buddies, Fernando Ramo, was telling me that she had been dictating um, on a like four hour car ride that she had by herself. That's a great way to fit it in. You know, this is something I've talked about on my blog before, but like, I think you should practice a lot of self-care, but you also have to find a balance between that and your work and your creative writing time. So one thing that I always tell people when they ask me this is like, if you want to work on your novel, but you also want to watch a show on Netflix, maybe you could just watch one episode of your show and then you could spend the other half of your free time writing you know, then it doesn't brush up against your work that you do have to do. Uh, but it, you know, you still get to do all the things that you like. What I used to do when I first started out writing, when I was still living at home with my parents, is I would stay up super late so that nobody else was awake with me. And I would put on Iron Chef, <laughs> just something that really didn't need a whole lot of attention, you know, and I would just write in little bursts and then kind of watch some Iron Chef, write in another little burst. You don't have to set down a huge amount of time to write. You can do it in bursts here and there. And having cell phones these days makes that a bit easier because all these note-taking apps will allow you to send your notes to your email where you can download it on your computer. Oh, yeah. I use my, um, I actually use my Google Drive app on my phone all the time. Oh, yeah. So when I'm like, when I'm waiting at the doctor's office, I was just there last week because I've, um been kind of sick uh and i had to write a blog post so i was while i was in the waiting room i was just outlining it on my phone um you know don't do that all the time because you do need a break but if you feel like you don't have time i think if you take a step back and really examine your day you'll find there are pockets that you can use effectively and just like world building it's all about balance everything's about balance and none of us are good at that Exactly. Something you have to continually practice and learn. And if something, if you liked one or two of our tips that we had, but, and this, this is about balancing work with writing, not about world building. Um, But, you know, try them out. If one doesn't work, try another. If that one doesn't work, maybe you need to mash them up. There's no, um, no definitive answer for that question, unfortunately. And if you have any tips and tricks of your own, let us know. You can find us on both Twitter and Instagram under at WritersNookPod. Yes, yes, please do. We'd love to love to talk about that stuff. So I think we will see you guys next time, and I hope that helped you a little bit. See you folks next time. Thanks to Purple Planet Music at www.purple-planet.com for our intro and outro music.